and we are live. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to an episode of The Real Forno Show, where we are going to talk quarterbacks. Yes, I know the discussion surrounding Kirk Cousins is, quite frankly, annoying, but I'm going to present an opportunity that would have Kirk in town for 2023 and give you a potential Josh Allen in 2024. We're going to talk about that, potential archetypes at wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, and what does the Sean McVay tree covet in those wide receivers, and we're also going to do our first Mock Draft Simulation of the Year. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Glorious Monday, and it's The Real Forno Show. Welcome to The Real Forno Show, managing editor of the USA Today's Vikings Wire, betting and college football analysis for the Fantasy Points website, publisher of Substack Run and Shooter, host of The Good, The Bad, and the Hungy on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, as well as a member of Climbing the Pocket. What's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Fornes, and welcome to The Real Forno Show. With me, as always, in the top right corner, my trusty producer, Dave. I, I, Dave, I can't see you. I'm a little worried. Where are you? Where am I? I'm here in Texas, warm Texas, thinking about turning on the air conditioner. Yeah, but you have camo on. I can't see you. Oh, I've got OD green and camo on my hat. Yes, and bright <laughs> orange. I lived the majority of my life wearing camo, so I do enjoy earth tones. Yes. Yeah. Hey, listen, I, I totally understand that. And as I, if you can hear any slurping in the background, it is my wonderful dog, Odie. He Odie. does not. He doesn't do very well in my office. But if you give him some peanut butter on a licky mat, he does okay. But listen, I'm going to preface this. We are going to talk quarterbacks, as I told you in the intro. We're going to talk her cousins in the future. And it's not quite as cut and dry as, hey, we need a replacement or, hey, we need to extend cousins. There's there's a lot of gray area, and we're going to kind of discuss that. And if you're going to replace Kirk cousins, you need to make sure you have the guy. You don't want to draft a Christian Ponder. You want to draft a Patrick Mahomes, a Josh Allen, a Justin Herbert. You want to draft a franchise quarterback. And it's not quite as simple as, hey, I'm just going to go grab one of those guys. Like, it's not like A equals B, all right? It's it's not that simple. You have to be able to f- identify the talent. You have to be able to properly develop them, build the infrastructure around them, or continue the infrastructure you already have in place and prosper forward. Well you have to still be able to identify that player. And I think I have. Now, listen, I was very big on Malik Willis last year. The early returns aren't great. I still have hope because he always needed a little bit of time to develop, especially in the passing game. And you could tell Mike Vrabel actively hated him. So I'm I'm not as concerned about his long-term development as some other people. But yes, the early returns are not great. Everybody misses on quarterbacks, and that's something else you have to remember. You learn from your mistakes, you learn from what happened previously, and you use that information going forward to better yourself and to make your evaluations a little more simple. That guy this year is Anthony Richardson. He is a carbon copy of Josh Allen coming out of Wyoming, except he's better. He's more refined. He is farther ahead in his development. But they do have similar issues. And with those similar issues... 
They're also incredibly similar as far as their builds and strength. Anthony Richardson is 6'4", 236. He's got a, a, an arm that could literally throw the ball over the mountains like he's Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. <clears throat> and he can make some incredible, incredible plays, both off-platform and in the running game. Chris, he would absolutely thrive in a different system. That system is not great for Willis. It's not a great fit. It's just kind of is what it is. But look, if, if I'm wrong about Willis, I, I can live with that because I, I went with my intuition, my gut, and I trusted my eyes. You learn from it, you move on. But here's the thing with Richardson. If you want a Josh Allen, a guy who's just a freaky alien, who can do all kinds of things and can be that kind of difference maker for your football team, it's Anthony Richardson. There are plays where, and you can go check out my article. I did a piece on Vikings Wire where I talked about five five reasons the Vikings should take him. I did in the show notes, by the way. Just scroll yeah. down. It's there. I have multiple, multiple clips on Richardson and what his abilities are. You have some guys who can throw it a country mile like John Elway. Just He can throw it over those mountains. You have some guys who just throw an absolute piss missile and break people's fingers, like Brett Favre. Richardson is the is the rare case where he can do both, just like Josh Allen. And it, his arm talent is just absurd. There's a, a pl- opening play against LSU, drops back, throws, flicks his wrist, throws sixty yards, drops it right in a bucket for a touchdown. Like it's pretty remarkable what this guy can do. But the reasons that you want to draft this guy. Yes, they're talent-based, and you want to be able to have a guy that has a great talent. But you're not drafting him because he's uber-talented. You're drafting him because of the nuance that he already has and how easy, in theory, his issues are to fix. Dave, one of the interesting things about the NFL, and we kind of learned this lesson with, with Zach Wilson, you like out-of-structure ability. You covet it. You want it. But you cannot, under any circumstances, sacrifice outside of structure ability, or sorry, in structure ability for that ability outside of structure. Just because he can run around like Fran Tarkington and throw the ball down the field really well, that's great. And you want that. But if he's bad standing within the pocket and delivering the football, that doesn't really matter a whole lot. So when you look at Richardson, One thing that he wants to do is kill you from the pocket. He wants to kill you throwing the football. He wants to deliver it down the field, find a receiver. He has the ability to go through all the progressions. He wants to sit in there and deliver it. Now, it's not always like that. Sometimes he gets a little gun shy, and you can kind of tell, like especially against Georgia, Georgia was just crushing the Gators all game long. The offensive line didn't play well. In the middle of that game, he got a little gunshot and he just started bailing pockets. That happens to young quarterbacks. He's only got 13 starts in college. So he's going to need a little bit of time to develop. But the immense tools that he has, you can overcome some of that and let him develop on the fly. Now, you'd somewhat be punting 2023. I don't think you'd be wanting – you're not going to be expecting to compete for a championship in 2023. That's something you're going to have to live with. You're going to have to accept it. But 2024, with the cap space you'll have from not having a top-flight quarterback contract, which you can argue all you want about Kirk Cousins as far as what the quarterback is, 
He's got a top quarterback contract. $36.25 million cap hit this year. A lot of money. And here's the thing with Richardson. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. Good on Kirk. I I will never berate a, a player for making money. It's tremendous. He's setting his family up for generation upon generation. And that's wonderful. The big thing, though, is you're gonna yeah, you're gonna be able to build around Anthony Richardson, truly build that contender. You're gonna see what kind of chops Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Dolphins have in building that team because they inherited a very weird roster from Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer. This roster was set up to play well, but it was not set up to play well long term. They invested all they could to make 2022 a great season, and. It, it went well, but it also faltered at the end. We want to figure out how to fix that back end. How do we make it so it's successful all the way through to, to winning the Super Bowl? And I think getting a guy like Richardson could be that. Now, we talked about how he's just tremendous standing in the pocket. He wants to deliver the ball down the field, and he can. He's also a great runner. There's a play against Utah where he ran for an almost 50-yard touchdown. It was a max protect shot. So what that is is you're going to have max protection in the offensive line. So they're, they've got seven guys blocking. They've got one guy out into the flat on the right side, and they run a cross-corner combo. So the receiver on the far left is running a deep crosser, and the receiver on the far right in the slot is running a deep corner. Everything's flowing. It's like a flood concept as well. But the quarterback's not. Everything's flowing to the right side. So what happens on the left? Richardson sees 30 yards of daylight and just goes, and he can run a 4-4-40. So you're talking about a guy who's just freaky athletic. He's got multiple 80-yard rushing touchdowns at the University of Florida, and the SEC is the highest level of competition in all of Division I football. You look at all these things, and you see that and be like, okay, why isn't this guy being talked about as the number one overall pick? And let's be honest, he's not flawless. He's not perfect. He's going to need some time to grow and develop. But as Chris asked earlier, what are some of the easiest things to fix in all football? It's not God-given ability. It's all mechanics. It's all the little technical things. You can teach your body how to not have, have a little hitch in your throwing motion. You can teach your body proper footwork. You can't teach your body to throw a 30-yard strike with pinpoint accuracy without with bad mechanics. Because that's the kind of thing Richardson can do. Those wild throws for Josh Allen that make you think, wow, this is might be the best quarterback I've ever seen. And then you look at him like, oh, that's right, he's Josh Allen. And he makes kind of like, what are you doing throws. That's kind of where Richardson is. He has poor mechanics. He rushes himself, especially with screens. He has a little a heel click. So what that is is like when you see a quarterback dropping back, you kind of cross your feet. And you can set it, you can practice your footwork where you're not actually crossing him. But when he does, he kind of clicks his heel against his other foot. That screws up his motion. And then he throws it way too hard, which is another issue that he has. He needs to grow with touch passes. You pair those two things together, and it, it can spell disaster on plays. Well, the good part for him is all that's fixable. You spend three to four months drilling it with a quarterback's coach, you can fix that stuff. And it's that's easy to fix. You can't fix talent. You can't fix 
Like you, you can grow pocket presence and you can grow the ability to, hey, I'm going to go through my progressions. Some guys never do and they just never have it. Richardson does already and he flashes these levels of brilliance with his mechanics, but there's no consistency and you saw that. People are going to come at you and say, oh, he only had like 53.4% completion percentage. Here's the thing. You have to look at the context of everything. He is a very interesting player because almost everything that was wrong with him was mechanical or everything surrounding him. He goes into Florida State and plays a great football game. Only competes completes 9 of 27 passes, but he does so for 271 yards and 3 touchdowns. Reason why he didn't complete that many passes is because he's got his top wide receiver playing. Then the other guys are like wide receiver 5, 6, and 8. Like He was not playing with great talent. They were letting him down considerably with drops, not bringing in contested catches, just unfortunate circumstances everywhere. But even Florida State fans will tell you, Richardson balled out that game, and he was the whole reason the Gators were in it. I love Richardson. Obviously, I'm a Florida Gator fan. But if you are going to draft a successor to Kirk Cousins, this is the archetype. High upside, incredible talent. Kevin O'Connell was hired for this kind of thing. He was hired to be a quarterback guru. He was hired to develop a guy. This is exactly what you want. And Richardson's got everything you could ever want in a quarterback. He's he has issues, but you can those are things you can work out. And repetitions are going to do that because he only has 13 starts. Now, people argue, but he only had a less than 54% completion rate in college. The adjusted rate, mm-hmm. by the way, is 64.1. But they'll argue 54 point or just under 54. Well, there's a few other quarterbacks that fell into that category in the past. Lamar um, in Baltimore. Josh Allen is one of them. And I forget the third that have grown on to succeed wildly. And if it is just mechanics, it is just mechanics. Now, some of the cool things about him is that when you look at some of the more advanced stats, when it comes to deep yards, he was ranked 24th. Um, drop rate of only 7.4%. Screen yards, 138th. Um, turnover-worthy plays only at 3.3%. Average depth of target, 11.5 yards, which I believe is more than Kirk Cousins presently. Um, That's... That's a very good number, especially in the college game, because you have so many designed throws. And this isn't a Gator thing. This is a college football thing. You turn on a college football game, the amount of screen passes and slants and little flattened speed outs that you see, it's it's insane. 11.8 is a tremendous number, especially considering how many of those the Gators utilized. He's got a big-time throw rate of 5.5. Now let's look at his uh, comparables. Passing grade of 70.5. In the SEC, mind you, he has an intermediate passing grade of 85.8, which is up there. A deep passing grade that is elite, 93.1. Obviously, the strength in the arm... A no-pressure grade of 84.5. All quarterbacks 
do better without pressure. Under pressure, his grade sucks. It's 41.9. That comes with practice and who you have around you as to where you want to go. Now, the big thing I see is succession plan. And here today from the 33rd team, they said, the Vikings are sitting in a similar situation that they that Kansas City did with when they had Smith at quarterback and they traded up to get Patrick Mahomes. And if I remember correctly, Mahomes was that sort of type quarterback as well. And you need some sort of succession plan. I know that Clifford wants to keep Kirk Cousins for another four years. I'm wary of that because I do know that all human quarterbacks tend to fall off the cliff at around 35 years old. You can see it. It's happened throughout the history of the league. The abnormal ones, like Tom Brady and over to the east, Aaron Rodgers, once he gets out of his black box, uh, they're, they're the outliers. I don't know if Kirk Cousins can be an outlier. So you have to have some sort of transition plan in place, whether it's draft, Richardson, and we haven't even talked about where Richardson would fall. If he falls to 23 and he's in your lap, that makes you know the decision even harder. If, they, if he drops to 18 and they want to go up and get him, then they're going to discuss it. If he falls behind that like Malik Willis did last year when all at this time of the year, everybody was hyping Malik Willis as a top five quarterback. He's going in the first round. There's no doubt about it. And he dropped a third. So things can change and how draft Knicks feel and how podcasters feel is irrelevant in the long run. Long run it's all in how the NFL teams feel and what they can do with that individual. So I'd rather if he's if he drops into our lap at 23, I think it's a no-brainer. Um because he gives you that transition plan. He doesn't have to play next year. Yes, we'll be shy one guy on the defense or a wide receiver or whatever is your favorite spot you want to draft. Yes, we would be shy that but he could sit a year behind Kirk Cousins. He doesn't have to start in 2023 because Kirk Cousins is still there. And he can learn, and they can work on the mechanics, and they could do everything. Kirk Cousins can play out his contract, then we step into him playing next year. And for a long-term health of the team, that makes sense to me. It may not make sense to the viewers or the listeners, but to me, if you have a plan like that in place and that sort of talent falls in your lap, you go with it. Not only can he throw, he can run. And we know the, the availability is limited on running quarterbacks, and we know how much they are impacting the game of football right now. And if we had that in our back pocket for the future, we're talking 2024, it's like I said, I'd sit him. Um, that would be huge. I think it'd be huge. And that's why, to me, it's a no-brainer. 
I think it's a no brainer too. And I want to, I want to get to a couple questions here and then um, I'll, I'll kind of just discuss the draft capital aspect of Anthony Richardson. Um, we'll answer Chris's first because it's a real quick one. And then I want to get to Raymond's that he had a little while ago. Cause so I think it's, I think it's an interesting one. Um, Chris asked how big of an influence is processing speed at the line of scrimmage. Richardson basically called everything at the line of scrimmage for the Florida Gators. He was running the offense like a seasoned pro. And I think for somebody who is only 20 years old this past year, I think that's a really big sign of how intelligent he is and being able to operate a system, especially one with as many options as Kevin O'Connell's, because we know about the choice routes. We know uh, basically they spam like 10 different plays in a myriad of different ways because um, that's just kind of how they operate. Now let's get to Raymond's. Um, it brings up an interesting angle. He says, the issue I have with this conversation is that I feel everyone is looking for the easy way out. We had a 31 first-ranked defense and a 13-4 record. QB1 had eight comebacks, pull-up PFR, compare pressure. I guess, Raymond, we're not looking at replacing Kirk Cousins for 2023. We're looking at replacing him long-term because in 2024, he's going to be 36. Right now, with quarterbacks, it's traditionally where they start to deteriorate. They start to decline. And because they start to decline, that's when you – you should have an answer before the question needs to be solved. Like that to me is the biggest thing. Like think of it, a high school kid picking out college. They know what college they're going to by like February and they don't have to like go to freshman orientation until August. That to me is the biggest thing. You want to be able to have that answer before you need to solve it and bring in a guy and letting him sit behind Kirk for a year isn't necessarily the easy way out, especially when you bring in a toolsy guy, because you're going to have growing pains and you're going to need to nurture and develop. So I guess I challenge the fact that it's the easy way out. I think it's, we just need to prepare for the future because Kirk is just not going to be long in the tooth as far as being the guy. I'd say realistically, two more years at this level of play, and then you're going to, you're likely going to see that drop off. I would rather get rid of somebody a year early than a year too late. We saw that with Adam Thielen this past year. We shouldn't have restructured him. And I think they made a mistake by restructuring him. Now you feel like you almost have to keep him because his cap hit is $13.8 million. If you don't do that, the dead cap's like a couple million and you can get rid of him pretty easy. So there's there's levels to it, Raymond. I just I I don't see it as the easy way out. I think it's you're just planning for your future. Um, Chris brings up a good point. Aaron Rodgers had to ride the pine for three years waiting for Brett Favre. I'm not saying you, you need to have him ride the pine for three years, but you Steve need to, Young did you need it to prepare. Joe Montana. That was a little different. Um, but yes. Patrick Mahomes uh, did it behind Alex Smith. Odie has finished his peanut butter. And now he's eating my desk chair. Spent $700 on this damn chair, Dave. And you know what I get? Teeth marks. Hey, it happens. Um, so what happens oh, when you have a dog? He's a, he's a wonderful, wonderful boy. But um, the big thing with Richardson is I don't even know if we can get him. If we're going to be able to get him, it's going to be because he either fell for some odd reason or we trade up. And good friend of the show, Luke Braun, who hosts uh, Locked on Vikings, 
Um, he did an entire episode on it today. We spent a lot of time over the weekend talking about Anthony Richardson because he finally got a chance to watch him. And I had already watched him, and you can check out my articles on uh, on Vikings well, Wire on Richardson. You watch Gator football every weekend anyways. Yep. But it's it's different, though. I'm, I'm watching that for fun, and obviously I have a little bit of a critical eye. But this was a I was watching with a very critical eye, trying to break down his game, find like because being that I write about college football and I watch so much of it, I already have preconceived notions because I've already developed opinions on these guys based on live viewings. And now what I do is I try to compare what I already what I believe and challenge it with what I'm seeing now, because sometimes I'm right and sometimes I'm wrong. And I like to be able to challenge that opinion because it will help me grow. It will help me evolve as far as what the player is. Um, and it's it makes it a lot more fun because sometimes your notion be like, oh, I don't think this guy's very fast. And then you look at the films like, whoa. And then you get the testing results and it's like, whoa. Okay, now I have to rethink everything. Maybe like Were they just trying to use him in a different way? Um, and it, it makes things very interesting. Um, draft capital. There's a chance Richardson goes at one, top five, top ten. I I literally will rule I will rule nothing out as far as what Richardson's ceiling and floor is. I think his floor is 31. I don't think he escapes the first round. The interesting thing about him is because of his tools and paired with his lack of experience and mechanical issues, this stock's gonna be all over the place. And you're seeing that in mock drafts. I've seen him as high as one. I've seen him at like 31 in a trade-up. It's just, it's it's going to be a unique one. Um, Clifford. But as I, mentioned, Luke, I want to answer go, go Clifford. Ahead. Clifford says you cannot ride the pine for three years in the modern NFL. I agree with you, Clifford. That's why I said only one year. Uh, the only one that's riding the pine for three years is Jordan Love in Wisconsin. Which is hilarious, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about this because with the draft capital, um, Luke and I are big on the Rich Hill trade chart. And Rich Hill is a writer for Pat's Pulpit, the SB Nation site. And what he does is he creates a trade value chart based on historical data of trades and to try and figure out what proper value is. So Vikings have 23rd overall. If they were to package their the 23rd overall pick and the 119th, they can get up to 20 with the Seattle Seahawks. If they package 23 and 87, their third round pick, they can get to 18 with the Detroit Lions. If they package 23, 87, and 119, their first three picks, they can get up to 15 with the Green Bay Packers. If they want to send 23 and next year's first, they could get to 12 with the Houston Texans. And if you if they want to send their 23, their first next year and the first in 2025, they can get all the way up to eight. Now, three first round picks is a lot for one player, but if you end up with a top five NFL quarterback, do you really care that you gave up three picks? No, you don't. Do you want to give up less than that? Absolutely. Nobody wants to give up that kind of draft capital. You do because you're getting that guy or you believe he's that guy. And you know what? It may not even cost that much to go up to eight. 
the Falcons for Julio Jones went up from 27 to 6. They gave up, I think, a first, third, fourth, sixth, and another first. They gave up a lot, but they gave up an extra first and then a third, fourth, and a sixth. It's not that bad. Like, obviously, you want it to be less than that, but if he's your franchise quarterback and he's going to be starting for you for the next 15 years and he's going to be really good, who cares? So that, that's kind of where we're sitting as far as trade value goes. Um, it's Everything's fluid and everything varies from year to year because at the end of the day, as much as we can look at these historical charts, a pick is only as valuable as somebody will give it up for or pay for it. Mm-hmm. So if the first overall pick is worth four first-round picks, but I'm only taking two firsts and a second if you give me a bologna sandwich, then it's worth two firsts, a second, and a bologna sandwich. Like that's the free market is like that. You can have evaluations on things, but in essence, it's all what somebody w- will take for it and will pay for it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we're sitting. And who's that dude? So um, exactly. How many teams would give five first round picks for Patrick Mahomes right now? He bets half. I'd up. give up every. I'd give up about everything but my wife, job, and Odie for Patrick Mahomes on the Minnesota Vikings. No, I'm, no, I'm serious. Like, that, it, who's that dude makes a great point because once you have that guy, it's invaluable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely invaluable. So, like, we'll stop talking about Anthony Richardson. He's going to come up again, as with all these other quarterbacks, especially if the unthinkable happens and Kirk Cousins all of a sudden is gone by this time next week. Or by this time in like a month or so. Because there is, I'd say, give it about a 5 to 10% chance possibility that Kirk Cousins gets traded. I think the most likely option is an extension. I'd give that about 60% and about 30% to he just plays on his contract. So um, there's a lot of variables mixed in there, but it's it's something to keep an eye on. Um, but we should move on. Um, Dave, mm-hmm. I did a deep dive on wide receivers in Sean McVay offenses. And I found some interesting information. Did you get a chance to read this earlier today? No, I did not. I've missed it. Sorry. How dare you? I read it afterwards. It's on my list. Okay. So basically what I did was I looked at measurables. I looked at metrics. One thing we identified with Kwesi Dofo Mensa this past year is he loves the 10-yard split. He loves the get up and go. Guys who can just go zoom, zoom, zoom. Well, he did that with his entire draft class. What I wanted to find out is over the nine years that a Sean McVay family member, so somebody from his tree, has been a head coach or an offensive coordinator, what do those receivers that they brought in have in common? Are there any trends? And I I spoke with uh, Spencer Thompson of the Daily Norseman, who helped me kind of organize the data a little more. We grouped it into clusters. And these clusters were in four different areas. Now, if you aren't aware of what relative athletic score is, which is a lot of what this is based on, it is a metric designed. It basically takes your percentiles of everybody that's ever tested since the combine. And it started in 1989. And it puts your metric up against everybody at that position. So if you run a 4-2 flat 40, you're going to finish in the 100th percentile. If you run a six-second 40, you are going to finish in the zero percentile. That's just, and then anything in between, 
is going to be X, Y, or Z, all right? Well, so people, if, people are used to seeing the spider chart, charts, and that's another yep. way to graph the raw athletic skills. Yeah, There are absolutely. also RAS charts with the raw numbers, but what a lot of people see is the spider chart. So if you go to relative athletic score, if you Google it and you just click the first option, there's a compare tool. So you can actually compare two different receivers to each other. And I use that tool to just gather all my data, okay? And what we were able to find was there are four different clusters. There are speedy receivers, possession receivers, your outside like alpha type receivers, and then there are, there's a couple outliers. And I'll explain that in a little bit. But essentially, speed receivers, there were four guys. Deshaun Jackson, Brandon Cooks, Tutu Atwell, and Odell Beckham Jr. They were all grouped together. Of those guys, like this kind of archetype, there were two metrics that were paid most attention to. The 40-yard dash. Everybody was essentially a 90th percentile or higher in the 40-yard dash. Odell Beckham Jr. is 89.9th. So I'm rounding that up to 90. Odie, can you not chew on this, please? Thank you. Chew on a bone. Um, and then the other one was the three-cone drill. Atwell was an outlier at 78.8th percentile. Everyone else was 84th or above. And Odell Beckham Jr. is at 94.9th percentile athlete at, the, at that metric. So basically what they want from their speed guys, they want them to go zoom-zoom, and they want them to be able to change direction quickly. Both things that make sense at a Kevin O'Connell offense, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the Sean McVay tree, I count as three guys. You have Sean McVay, Zach Taylor, and Kevin O'Connell. Some people consider Matt LaFleur. I don't, and here's why. Matt LaFleur spent one season as a de facto offensive coordinator with the Los Angeles Rams. He spent more time with Kyle Shanahan, and when he got an opportunity to run an offense, he runs it like Kyle Shanahan. So I don't consider him a member of this tree for what this exercise is. Um, and that's why I only have the three. Now, the next one is a bigger cluster. It's possession receivers. Guys who are hyper, hyper productive in college, and they're not the best athletes. Ryan Grant, Jamison Crowder, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Kelvin Harmon. These guys are mostly slot type receivers or guys you can flex out if you need to. Um, They really value production here. And they don't necessarily ask these guys to be phenomenal athletes because you you just know how to get open and produce, and then you can be versatile for us in that way, Um, especially Cooper Cup. Um, Joseph, good for him. Ask for it. But you know what that smells like? The Giants trying to sabotage him. By and trying to get that number down when it's probably trying realistically trying to get like 35 million. So, well, they'll probably yeah. franchise tag him, which I think I look and that's like 30, like 30, 31.8. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but basically, with these possession type receivers, Dave, the only one that's ever like tested with anything, um, Cooper Cup and Ryan Grant both had short shuttle and three cone drills over the 86th percentile. So in short spaces, they were able to move really well. And Cooper Cup was actually drafted by the Los Angeles Rams because he ran a a 40 of like 4.62. But GPS testing showed he was a lot faster than that, which is why people talk about like deceptive speed. Yeah, it's a white guy thing, and it's used mostly as a joke. (laughs) 
Well, when you run when you run a poor forty, but your GPS times are that good, well, maybe it is a little deceptive. So that that's one cluster. This next one is the biggest one. Number one in X type receivers, we had eight of them. All of them with a relative athletic score above eight, which is an 80th percentile. Evan Spencer, Josh Jackson, Sammy Watkins, Josh Reynolds, Terry McLaurin, Jamar Chase, Jalen Naylor, Allen Robinson. Some pretty big names in that group. Doxton obviously uh, flamed out with the Washington Commanders, and he's, he spent a cup of coffee with the Vikings. Sammy Watkins never has lived up to his full potential. Josh Reynolds has kind of bounced around the league as a as a height, weight, speed guy. Terry McLaurin, Jamar Chase, Allen Robinson are all proven number one receivers. So there's a, somewhat of a track record with this bunch. Jalen Naylor, we're out to lunch with. Even He doesn't necessarily fit completely with these guys, especially when you talk about like size, but he fits with them athletic profile, which is really what we're looking at here. And Evan Spencer washed out. He was a six-round pick. So what we're looking at with these guys, the two metrics that have made the most sense is the vertical jump and the broad jump. In the vertical, only two players in that group, um, Sammy Watkins, Evan Spencer, finished underneath the 80th percentile. Jamar Chase and Josh Jackson were in the 97.9th percentile. And then the broad jump. Jamar Chase was the 98.1st percentile. Josh Jackson, the 97th. Everybody was above an 80th, above the 80th percentile. So when you look at this, you're looking at the explosive metrics more than the speed per se because they can really help you. And sometimes somebody just doesn't run great on the track, but they run great on the field. That's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, so the last group is outliers. Two guys who did don't have a relative athletic score because they didn't test. Ben Skoronek and Van Jefferson, both draft picks of the Rams in 2020. Jefferson was drafted specifically because of that GPS test again. And the ultimate outlier here, T. Higgins, who had a 4.08 percentile, making him a 40th percentile athlete for the position. His vertical jump was awful. His He had a 16.3 percentile uh, 10-yard split, which means he would not be a Kwesi Dopamensa target in theory. But what he does do is he just knows how to win. He uses his body incredibly well in positioning, and he's faster than those uh, testing metrics believe. Um, Michael, I'll explain this about the um, the no trade clause. It's not uncommon. Derek Carr had one. If you make a concession in a contract, they will give you a no trade clause, so they just can't dump you to the highest bidder. It, it's your way of leveraging yourself to getting paid. Now Carr, unfortunately, doesn't get to stay with the Raiders, but he's going to get paid again because he leveraged his way into that stipulation. It's annoying for us, absolutely, but... A $35 million contract for one year, I, I get why they gave it to me. Um, but basically, kind of here's what this article told me, Dave. Based on the type of receiver they want, they have general things that they're looking for. Now, the thing with Kwesi Mensa, will he follow this too? Kevin O'Connell, will he as well? Like, There's a lot of interesting elements here that... I think we can kind of take a look and see, hey, they're going to get this type of receiver. Who fits? 
And once the all the testing numbers come out, I'm going to sift through them, and I'm going to kind of give some um, data and be like, hey, based on this, the Vikings are going to want, say, Quentin Johnston because he's a high-weight speed guy, and he jumped incredibly well. Or maybe they'll want Jordan Addison because his three-cone and short shell were tremendous. Like, And this that's kind of what we're looking at here. It's not perfect. It's to try and give us some context so we can help make a better educated guess. But we have talked plenty about receivers and Anthony Richardson. Dave, I think we need to do everybody's favorite game. What's that? Let's run a mock draft. Hey! hey. Folks, this is last year's run-up. I have not updated it yet. It will be done this week, though. Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick, and who's your favorite choice? We are coming at you live with another mock draft. We're going to be doing four rounds today. Um, once the Vikings get that fifth round compensatory pick, we'll do we'll go do a full five because the Vikings right now don't have a six or seven. But four rounds gives us three picks, and we'll be able to spend a little more time talking about each pick than we would if we would be going a little longer. So Dave has it all set up. I am going to make this full screen on my end because I oh. I don't know if I can do that. Nope. I guess I'm just gonna have to deal with it being this small, um, which is I'm as fine. I get it without screwing up the next page. So, all right, let's fire it up, Dave. Normally, we use the Draft Network, and I've been using their beta tested model and been giving them feedback. It's very good, but we're not allowed to use it for streaming yet. Once we are allowed to. We're going to be going that because I think it's the best one. Dave, in the top right corner, there's the blue button, start draft. Let's fire it away. All right, so here we go. Right before us, we had Zay Flowers and Dalton Kincaid go. So this is what we're looking at. Cornerback is heavy. Joey Porter Jr. is my cornerback two. Deontay Banks, I believe, is my quarterback, quarterback seven. I like Deontay Banks a lot. Um, Andre Carter, edge rusher. I don't think he's going until early day three. He's he's a height, weight, speed guy, but he needs like to develop an NFL body because West Point's not built for that. They're built they, – I mean, they play football, but they're not building like NFL bodies. They're, they're soldiers first. So that's something that you kind of have to deal with with uh, Andre Carter. Nolan Smith, the edge rusher, has been a popular pick as of this year. Um, Here's an interesting one we'll talk about quick. Bijan Robinson. The Vikings move on from Dalvin Cook and do not re-sign Alexander Madison. Robinson is an interesting option. He's a dynamic playmaker, and he can play in the slot. I think he's a better version of Christian McCaffrey. He's more, ex- more explosive, more athletic, more physical. And Christian McCaffrey was thought of as a wide receiver for years mm-hmm. by a lot of people. You can split him out and do this, that, and the other thing. That's Bijan. Bijan is a modern-day NFL running back, and he's got incredible feet. Just very clean, very sweet, 
And I think all of those things considered, Bijan's an interesting option. Based on what we see here for the Vikings, it's Joey Porter Jr. And Chris said in the comments, it's a million percent Joey Porter Jr. If you remember watching his dad play for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Dave, Mm -hmm. he's his dad, but can play corner. He's 6'2". He's got arms longer than the state of Texas. And just a very, very aggressive Texas is long. Just try Mm -hmm. driving across it in a day. What does it take, like, 12 hours to drive across it? It's about that. Um, By the way, Anthony Richardson went at 8. And that's the thing. With with Richardson, we don't know where he will go. Could go high, could go low. He is the ultimate wild card. On the PFF big board. So they've got – they have – they like him. So we're going with Joey Porter, drafted. Mm-hmm. And on my board right now, um, Anthony Richardson is currently number 10. I don't adjust for as far as like my film grades. I don't adjust for athleticism. Um, I basically like I may adjust somebody like if they're like an uber great athlete or an uber bad athlete. I may adjust accordingly. But if Richardson runs a slightly better 40, I'm not moving up a few spots. I, I do a lot of my work based on film, and that's kind of how I deal with it. And then at, when I build my film grades, I look at the analytics. I look at a lot of different things. So it's not necessarily 100% film, but that's once I have my grade, I, I usually stick with it. But let's look at this. So we have Joey Porter Jr. Um, Chris, if you're talking a trade-up, if he gets to like 16, you start making those calls. That is close enough to really shoot your shot. 14, I, I would call the Patriots too. Like, if, if it's after 10, I'd, I'd really want to start calling, but I think it gets really serious once you get to like 14, 16, 17. Um, let's, uh, let's take a look. So we still have a good amount of talent here. And it, most of it's on the defensive side of the football. We're going to rule out Clark Phillips the third. I think he's going to go higher than this. And I'm not going to take two corners. I'm just not because we're going to fortify the position in free agency. One guy that's intriguing to me is Derek Hall. He's like a 265-pound edge rusher who plays like an interior guy. You get him up about 15 to 20 pounds of good weight, and you can have yourself a good five-tech. He's got – he kind of reminds me a little bit of Trey Flowers. Like I don't, he's going to have some length issues, but I don't think it's going to really hurt him just by his style of play. And he's much more of a brawler on the inside. He's also got a nice quickness ability about him too. I think in this defense, it's going to be really aggressive and versatile. Having a guy like Hall makes a lot of sense. So we're going to take Derek Hall to edge out of Auburn with our second pick. Right, Odie? Do you like that? Select. Yeah, I do too. Odie's being a good boy, aren't you, Odie? <laughs> if he comes over, I'll pick him up, but I'm not going to walk over there. All right, so we have a cornerback. We have an edge rusher. Now this is where things get interesting. Running back and wide receiver are are good picks here. Um, Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, I'm going to be honest, he's probably going to go top 50 because he goes zoom, zoom, zoom. We're talking like he could run in the 4-2s fast. And the tape shows that. 
So I think that he he'll, he might end up going higher, but it all depends. If he tests four three five, he probably falls to round four. Um, Roshan Johnson's an interesting pick. He was Bijan's backup at Texas, and he was a top twenty back in college football. Like that's how good he is. If you want to keep fortifying the defense, which with how much I expect us to do in free agency, I would not like. I think I think we need to fortify the free uh, defense with free agency because we have so many young players. Um, Lat from last year's draft class, they're going to make an impact this year. Because um, remember, our three secondary players who drafted all finished on IR. That I can almost guarantee it's not happening again next year. Uh, so I want to kind of hold off on that. Um, Dave, would you be willing to scroll down a little bit and let me kind of take a look at who else is on the board? All right, Andre Yoshivas from um, Princeton's an interesting one. He is a poor man's Christian Watson. FCS guy also goes very big zoom zoom zoom, um, and we don't know Clifford. Really, a really talented football player. Um, the interesting thing about a Daniel Hunter extension, mm-hmm. you really can't clear much cap space. Like to me, that's 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 a a big one because right, but you you make him happy. Oh and yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. only got a cap hit of like five million dollars this year. It's uber uber low, but you're not going to get a disgruntled holdout like you might get if you do nothing with him. All right, hey, do me a favor. Let's ban Joseph Shea from the chat, making fun of me for having to deal with the blizzard tomorrow. That nope. that's really rude. <laughs> Joseph's my buddy. He knows what he's doing. Oh, he knows what he's doing. He knows. Um, hey, you just remember that when Odie has to go pee outside and he's cold. You just remember well, how you were two feet, Two feet plus the snow and 40 to 50 mile an hour winds. Dangerous wind chills. Yes, our heart is with you um, up there in the cities and across South Dakota, North Dakota, into Minnesota, way across that. But it seems that if you look at the, the real danger maps, there's a little spot out from uh, – Trying to remember the interstate. Is it 94? From the cities out to Fargo, there's a little spot of nice purple, and then you hit the cities, and it's nice, you know, hazard, super hazard in the cities. We do care about you. We give you grief. Not to let you know that it was almost 80 here in Texas today. We will be in the 80s this week. I know in Florida they're going to be up in the 90s by the end of the week. And uh, just know that we're thinking about all of you up there in Minnesota. I'm just thinking about Odie just peed on my carpet. He does that while he's in there. You got to take him out before uh, yeah. we start the show, like I do with Merlin. I do. Welcome to Frenchies. They pee everywhere all the time. But let's get back to this. Um, I like Yoshivis, but. Kai Blue. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to take another corner. No, I just went on that huge diatribe. Um, we're actually going to take a guy that I have. I believe he's my wide receiver 10. And I'm going to pull that up here real fast because I have that information at my fingertips. Um, no, he's my wide receiver 9, and that is Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. He's a little smaller, but I don't think that matters so much in this offense. And he goes zoom, zoom, and he can create in the middle of the field as well. And okay. I think those two things are, are something that could really impact Justin Jefferson and I know his offense is Brian Ortega happy. Oh, I know. Um, that that's kind of where I'm I'm leaning here with 
I really think wide receiver is going to end up being the first pick because I think they're, they're going to do enough on defense and free agency to really calm that down, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's going to be too big of an issue. We'll see. I reserve the right to change my mind. If free agency ends up being offense and they go all defense in the draft, well, we'll have that information before drafting. And it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, speaking of, um, I know we mentioned last week that we are um, going to be uh, moving on to something else. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't have any new information on that, but we will have something finalized for you next week. We're not going anywhere. We're just it. We're just basically going to be moving across town. We're not completely retiring. Well, not even um, that. It's just that, uh, as I said last week, Vox Media, uh, Vox Media slash SB Nation has, uh, due to hard times out on specifically the West and East Coast, they are cutting back on their podcast arms. Uh, the Daily Norseman's podcast arm, which Climbing the Pocket has been a part of is one of those arms that got taken up. All but nine NFL teams have been canceled. All the NHL teams, except for I think three were canceled. All the Major League Soccer, all the baseball, all they've all been. And so we're all looking at where we move next. We're not going away. We just, we're just going to be in the process of rebranding. But we will be here, and we won't miss a beat. Trust us, we're going to be here. And you know how to contact us. You can get Tyler over on Vikings Wire anytime, day or night. You can catch me on Twitter. You can catch Tyler on Twitter. I'm also on Facebook. You can catch me there. You can post a message on either the Daily Norseman or the Climbing the Pocket Facebook pages. We usually see those as well. So we're not going anywhere, folks. We're going to be here no matter what. So it's just going to be new and improved. And we and we really hope that's the case. We are going to try to make this experience even better for you, our listeners. And we appreciate you coming here every week, commenting, uh, joking with us, and having a good time. And most of all, loving that team in purple. Absolutely. And I think one of the big things here, Dave, is that with this uh, new journey that we're going to be going on, there is going to be more content. There's going to be more yes, audio. Is. And it's going to come in various forms. We, we'll be doing short shows, instant reactions to news. We'll be doing shorts. Like all, all the little Zoomers love their TikTok. We're going to be doing shorts on YouTube, just little quick hitting pieces and of information. Go over to TikTok. But we'll see. Yeah, the under 60 second shows. We're working on it. I put up the first one last week and working on the second one now. Mm -hmm. And it's just quick, easy ways to get you information. And we're going to be doing that for a lot of NFL draft prospects. And that's going to be where the fun comes in because with NFL draft prospects, there's a lot to consume. And sometimes you don't have time to listen to 60 minutes. Well, if you use the bathroom, Everybody has time for one to five minutes. Everybody does. So it'll make it a little easier for you. And we'll still be doing the long form shows because these are a lot of fun. And we greatly appreciate it. You guys coming and joining us. And don't forget, you can communicate with us in a multitude of ways. 
YouTube comments. I am starting to really make an effort to go check those That's, regularly. Forgot that, um, but yes. Shoot me a DM on Twitter, um, at the Vikings Wire or at the Real Forno. I am also available on Facebook as well. Um, and look, we're going to be around. Dave can't get rid of me. I, I am like a leech. I'm going to be stuck on him for a long time. Um, we're in this together. So, um, Thad, if you want to check out Ivan Pace, I have a scouting report on Vikings Wire. Just go to the website and search Ivan Pace, and you'll be able to find it real easy. Um, that, that's all the time we have here today. Make sure you tune in next week. We're going to be doing a little bit of a combine preview. Also next week on Vikings Wire, for those of you who aren't quite aware of what the combine is, my one of my writers at Vikings Wire, Kevin Fielder, has a long, in-depth primer for somebody who's never watched and followed the combine to be able to watch it with intent, with purpose, and be able to understand what's going on and why we're watching the what's called the Underwear Olympics. In the meantime, thank you very much for tuning in to another great episode of The Real Forno Show. We appreciate you all. And letting us turn your Mondays purple on this Mock Draft Monday. Dave, why don't you lead us out here with a nice little Skull Vikings. Well, I'll do that. But first, there's two bits of information that people may not have known. Hit right before the show. Both Patrick Peterson and Dalvin Tomlinson's contracts were voided today. Uh, They had written in their contract information that they would void 23 days prior to the new league year. That is today. If the extensions were not made, we now owe a bunch of dead cap money for them next year. So that tells us most likely that they are not wanted, that uh, Brian Flores, they're not in his plans. So there we go. Another couple holes. But like we we always say, we're looking for long-term success, championship quality. And we say always, Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, The Daily Norseman, where the best Vikings content can be found, and to Lake Monster Brewing, home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.